From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. The jobs report, no doubt, is the is the big one this week, right? Consensus is looking for about 1.4 million net new jobs on Friday, uh, and for the unemployment rate to drop from 10.2 to 9.8. So still obviously very high. We can just keep adding a million jobs a month. We'll be back to something closer to normal uh, early 2021. But we get the ISM for uh, August tomorrow, and that'll be uh, certainly of interest. That's an earning signal, but it's also forward-looking because it talks about what manufacturers will spend, uh, not what they have spent. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here. I'm going to kick things off with you with my good friend up in Boston, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, this morning down here in South Carolina, I took my kids to school. First day of school, they're doing the A-B thing where they go one day and don't go the next. It rained, so Mother Nature just made it a little more interesting on that first day going to school. How are, uh, when do your kids go back to school or how's it working up in Boston? Yeah, we're we're delayed two weeks. Okay. So we still got a little more uh, time to prepare. And we're doing the same thing here where you, you know, go one week and then stay home the next. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's how it is here. You know, as I know it's a lot of different places. I mean, my, my boys go for a month, day on, day off, and then they go full time, whereas my daughter goes A, B days the entire time. So anyway, so we'll, we'll see. So obviously lots of, uh, anxiousness, I guess you could say, as we kind of head into doing some things like that. But at the same time, it's, um, at least for my particular family, I think it's important uh, to get the kids out of the house. They've they stared at each other long enough. I think they need to get out and do something. Uh, so so with that, Jeff, let's we've got a lot to discuss. Let's just kind of get things moving here. This week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to take a look at August, which has just been an unbelievable month, going to kind of put in context how strong it's been um, and some interesting stats. Also a September preview. Yeah, September is usually weak, but there's some stuff we want to point out, and there are absolutely uh, some big events coming up in September, which could cause that typical September uh, volatility. Then as we did last week, we talked about if Joe Biden were to win the presidency. This week, we're going to finish things up and talk about a potential President Trump second term. Then lastly, we had a birthday boy in the house, uh, Warren Buffett, turned 90 years young yesterday. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about kind of what we've learned from Warren Buffett, and I've got a couple quotes we can share as well. So, Jeff, let's let's start it off here. Um, just an unbelievable, I'm going to put up this chart here. So we are on YouTube now. So if you have YouTube, you can kind of see along and watch Jeff and I talk and share some charts. But Jeff, you know, this August is the first August I have found in history that had two separate six-day win streaks, okay? As a time we're recording this, the S&P has been up seven days in a row, but it's been a new all-time high six days in a row. Had a six-day win streak to start the month, seven-day win streak currently, made a bunch of new highs the last six days. Last week was what I call the perfect week implying every single day was up. Every single day made a new all-time high. I mean, that's uh, I, I found there were 12 different years that had what I called the perfect week here with the five-day trading week, uh, all new highs. Sure enough, every single time that year finished higher. So we'll, we'll see on that front. I mean, Jeff, you know, last thing for me, then I'm going to go to you. August is going to be up like 6 or 7% approximately with one day to go. We'll see where we finish up. It's going to be one of the best Augusts we've seen, either since 84 or 86, kind of depending, again, how today goes on Monday. Why in the world is this happening? We just gained 5% in July. What do you think really drove us higher this August? Then we'll get into September here in a little bit. Oh, it, it, It's a number of things, Ryan, but I think uh, stimulus 
and vaccine optimism are probably the two biggest factors. Uh, you know, we wrote about this um, a couple weeks ago in the weekly market commentary. Uh, in addition to those factors, um, the S&P is very different from the economy, right? These are the big, big companies. These are global companies. Uh, a lot of the S&P is well positioned for the pandemic. You know, probably about half the S&P you could say is well positioned, if not benefiting uh, from the pandemic. Uh, so you put those things together and you, you, know, you have the makings of a really strong year. I think going forward though, the question is going to be, can the reopening continue, right? Or will the virus, uh, you know, impede progress in uh, in this economic recovery that's frankly been uh, pretty impressive? Certainly, it's happened uh, faster than I had anticipated. No, oh, well, faster than you anticipated, than I anticipated, than probably just about everyone out there listening uh, anticipated. Now, the one thing that got me—I mean, you're the earnings expert, Jeff—but fact said, according to fact said. 98% of companies have reported earnings uh, for the second quarter. According to the fact set, 84% beat. Uh, the five-year average is 72%. That's the highest number of beats they've ever seen, according to fact set data. And the wild one, Jeff, that, that gets me, I mean, you've mentioned it before, but it's amazing to me. The average S&P 500 company beat estimates by 23%. <laughs> the previous record was 15% back in 2010. I mean, we talked about the low bar. I, I don't even know what to say other than, yes, it was an incredibly low bar. And the last thing, Jeff, and I want your opinion on kind of earnings season, and we'll wrap it up. Consumer discretionary was expected to lose $2.1 billion. That's with a B, $2.1 billion. It made $9.1 billion. Now, you can say thank you to Amazon for that. But even then, unbelievable. I mean, do these uh, that's the old saying, right? Why did God create economists? To make weathermen look good. I mean, I think that really, <laughs> that really hammered home uh, the, the 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 misses on the, how just bad this earnings season would be relative to how good it came in. What do you think about it? Why why did they miss so much this time? Well, analysts were guessing, right? We got so little guidance from from companies after the pandemic started, so that certainly set up a, a huge upside surprise. But then. You know, companies did a, a, a certainly a good job of managing costs. You know, that's a bad thing because you know people lost jobs. But uh, in terms of profit margins, it was a good thing. So companies just were much more profitable, uh, I think, than than people anticipated. You combine that with this economic recovery exceeding expectations, and you had the makings of a big upside surprise. But keep in mind, we're still well below last year's peak profits, and and we're probably going to you know, take at least a year to get back there. Yeah, no, good point there. I mean, that's, again, kind of what we discussed last week with the question of, well, how can profits not be where they were? How can the economy clearly not be where it was, yet stocks are making an all-time high? Well, there is a difference between stocks being the S&P 500 and the economy being GDP, but also stocks are forecasting, again, probably a, a stronger second half, uh, or I'm sorry, stronger into 2021 and even the rest of this year. You know, some other things that got me, I mean, the, the home data we've been seeing, uh, July pending home sales, best since October 2005. July starts 
best since October 16. Existing home sales were an all-time record, up almost 25% month over month. Permits were up nearly uh, 19%, highest in 30 years. And then the NAB Housing Market Index Home Builder Sentiment Gauge came in at an all-time high. I mean, clearly, the housing market is just unreal. And a couple more comments from me, and then, Jeff, I want to talk a little bit about what you're on the lookout for this September. Um, Target. Month um, uh, target year over year comps are up 25%, best ever. Walmart earnings per share beat by 25%. Home Depot, same store sales up 23% year over year. Lowe's, um, same store sales up 35%, and they beat estimates by 30%. Dick Sporting Goods, 20% year over year comps, doubling estimates. I mean, those are, you know, I know those are the big companies, and a lot of them did really well thanks to online sales. At the same time, I mean, we've said it before, I, I see numbers like that, and it's kind of hard to think that this recession likely isn't probably over as we speak. Jeff, September, we have uh, the Fed coming up. We're going to talk a little with Jackson Hole. What are you thinking about for September um, as we head into it? Yeah, I, I think um, we're going to get a stimulus package out of Washington. So okay. that's going to be something. Now you to said watch that a month, month ago. So tell me why it's going to happen this time. Then again, so did I. <laughs> well, because they've got to come up with the continuing resolution to fund the government yeah. uh, this month. And so that's probably going to create another push. Uh, you know, you're right that uh, we expected a deal to come by now. Um, so it's taken longer than we thought. But we had raised the possibility that the Democrats would drag their feet, right? Because if the economy's a little weaker going into the election, you would think that would favor uh, Biden over Trump. Uh, and I think that's possibly a little bit of what's happening. Uh, but, you know, when you get into um, a point where they have the, the two sides have to agree on government funding, that may uh, create the impetus for a deal. So look for that at some point uh, in September, certainly. Uh, and then, you know, beyond that, I mean, that we're, we'll be approaching the next earnings season, right? <laughs> so it'll be interesting to watch uh, what we hear from companies uh, toward the back half of the month. Uh, and, and I mean, those, beyond that, the jobs market, right, is it's been important every month, uh, but certainly it's getting more and more important now as we track COVID cases with kids going back to school. Um, we'll see if we hit uh, a bit of a lull, right? You know, the low hanging fruits kind of behind us, it's going to, Potentially, I hope not, but it might be tougher to create those, you know, million plus jobs a month um, as we get uh, later in the year. Some of that stimulus has worn off. Uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, again, on YouTube, if you're watching the video, what we're showing is nerves before an election. So like you said, there's some things happening this, uh, this September, a uh, big Fed decision as well. For whatever reason, September tends to be the worst month of the year on average. But if you get to an election year, September is a little weakish, but October actually is the worst month of the year. And I think it might be as simple as October is usually volatile. But at the same time, maybe there's just some pre-election jitters. And with stocks up nearly 60%, um, you know, the last 100 and what, 15, 114 days, give or take, whenever the market officially bought on March 23rd, which is actually the best start to a bull market after five months. And we, 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 we wrote about this last week on our LPLresearch.com blog. Just at this point, previous major, major bull markets had had years left. This is the best start to one. And the other two that were similar in terms of big gains after about five months were 2009, off to 2009 lows, and off to 1982 lows. 
And both of those, for what it's worth, uh, continue to have strength over the rest of the first year of that new bull market. Now, Jeff, let's talk about the Fed, maybe. Um, well, I thought it was kind of funny you know, in a twisted way. Remember the Fed minutes? We had Fed minutes like a week or so ago, and they were less dovish. The Fed was less dovish. Then just last week, we had Jackson Hole, and the Fed was considered you know, lower for longer. The Fed was considered extremely dovish. So it's almost like just wait a day, and you get a different, uh, different um, outtake. I mean, Jeff, what, you got some time to think about what the Fed had to say at Jackson Hole. Um, I've got some comments, too, but I'll let you go first. What were your, some of your major takeaways from Jackson Hole last week, what the Fed had to say? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, this wasn't a big surprise because we've been talking about the Fed using average inflation targets for quite a while, right? Instead of just saying we're going to get to 2% and uh, if we get close to 2%, we're going to proactively hike rates, right? They, they've been moving away from that for quite some time. So we finally, you know, they finally got pen to paper and put that out there officially. Um, so that's meaningful. Uh, but we've been moving in this direction, right, from, I mean, really for the past uh, year or two. Uh, in fact, this isn't even a new development during the pandemic. So, uh, you know, the bottom line for investors is that we're going to have support from the Fed for longer. That's lower for longer. They're going to be much more careful about raising rates. Uh, in fact, you know, that rate hike we got two Decembers ago, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't, you know, if they had this new policy right. in place. So they're going to be more patient. Uh, and that, you know, potentially keeps us in this environment with low interest rates uh, and a lot of Fed support for longer than maybe we had anticipated uh, a year ago. Yeah, I've almost called this kind of the big eraser for that last rate hike that we saw. I think it was December 18th or 17th, one day or the other back in 2018. And then obviously have just a vicious, vicious market sell-off after that. But bottom line is, yes, the Fed is now going with an average versus a target. And the market thinks that potentially means lower for longer. They can keep rates a little bit lower with a little higher inflation. The Fed didn't necessarily say, um, I guess I should say Jerome Powell didn't necessarily say, well, how much will you let, you know, say 2% with your target, how much will you let it go above that to keep that average, you know, ballpark 2%. He didn't say, but I know later in the day, uh, one of the Fed governors, I forget which one it was, sorry, um, was on CNBC and he said he could see up around 2.5%, you know, potentially um, inflation before the Fed maybe has to start raising rates. The other thing, Jeff, I guess the Fed moved away from their long-term stance that a full employment picture causes inflation. Let's be honest, you know, for 10 years, we we had, um, you know, a lot of people expecting higher inflation. It never really happened. So a little subtle change um, from the Fed in terms of those two things, right? The change that a full employment picture will cause inflation. They, they, they backed away from that. And also now we can have a little bit higher inflation before they're going to do anything. Bottom line, lower for longer is uh, kind of the way it's going to be. And, you know, the day of it's always volatile, but the next day, what happened? We saw gold sold off pretty hard. Stocks, I mean, keep making new highs. So stocks did just fine. Um, the dollar sold off and gold did well and stocks did well. So kind of a continuation, honestly, of the last five or six months. So let's see here. Let, let's maybe talk a little bit about Warren Buffett just to mix it up a little bit, Jeff. Um, you know, he turned 90 yesterday on Sunday. And, you know, just, just, hilarious guy, but just one of the greatest investment minds of all time. 
Um, you know, we wrote a blog about him. I said, you know, there's nothing new we're going to say about Warren Buffett that had already been said. So we'll let him say it. I'll just kind of read a couple quotes of mine that I like about him. And then Jeff, I know, you know, you're, you grew up in that part of the world, you know, the middle part of the world, uh, or at least your dad's still there. Um, I'm sure, you know, I know your dad's a big fan. So I want to hear some stories about that. But a couple Warren Buffett quotes I like. He said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five to ruin it. If you think about things like that, you'll do things likely differently. That's a pretty good way to put it. Um, diversification is a protection against ignorance. It makes very little sense for those who know what they're doing. Um, then my favorite one, and I've used this one before, I checked the actuarial tables. The lowest death rate is among six-year-olds, so I decided to eat like a six-year-old. <laughs> He's obviously famous for going through McDonald's every day, getting the breakfast and drinking his Cokes throughout the day. I mean, Jeff, kind of what what is what has he meant for like your family and your dad? I know there's some connections there. Yeah, I'm a big uh, fan of uh, drinking Cokes too. In fact, I, I remember as a kid, my mom asked my pediatrician, is it okay, <laughs> you know, that my son has, uh, you know, a, a few Cokes a day? The pediatrician said, yeah, I have a six pack a day. So I think that's wow. fine. <laughs> so, was it Warren Buffett? Was he your, was he your doctor? It, it, it was <laughs> side, not Warren side Buffett. Job? Yeah. It was not yeah. Warren Buffett, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, you can have uh, a, a lot of soda here and live till 90. Hopefully I'll do the same. So um, yeah, my dad's a huge fan. In fact, uh, he, he met him in person once and because he, He's his idol. He was so tongue-tied, he, he couldn't even get a sentence out. Wow. Uh, they actually, he was trying to explain to him that he had a mutual, that they had a mutual friend. The words just didn't quite, uh, quite come out. He did talk to him later on the phone and uh, actually sent him a letter. Um, and, and he actually responded to it about a stock idea, which wow. was, uh, which is pretty neat. So uh, yeah, we're, we're huge fans, uh, have been for a long time. I, I know, um, you know, going through the 87 crash, I was certainly um, a little nervous about that. You know, my father invoked some of the lessons he'd learned from Warren Buffett and, you know, said confidently, we're, we're going to ride this out. We're going to be fine. Um, you know, sort of taught me about investor psychology at a pretty young age. Uh, sure enough, we got probably, I think it was six months when we got all those losses back. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we've repeated that, of course, in the 2009 crash and, uh, and now this most recent uh, bear market. So valuable lessons indeed that stocks go up um, over the long term and don't uh, don't don't, uh, you know, panic sell at the bottom. Uh, good, good points there. So it looks like we've got five or six minutes. I want to get a little little more serious than normally we do here. You know, it's been a rough uh, couple of weeks for just, you know, some tragedies. Chadwick Bozeman obviously passed away uh, last week. We're huge fans of him. I know Burt White, our chief investment officer, shared some thoughts on him. Lute Olson, famous basketball coach, passed away. Clifford Robinson, another famous basketball player. And then I was devastated to see just yesterday on LPL at work, um, a guy that I'm a huge fan of, uh, Jared Larson, 33 years old. He, he, he tragically passed away um, fairly recently. I didn't know that at all until I saw it on, on our intranet that we have so jared you're the man and i'm really really sorry to, to uh to miss you i saw him i guess about a year ago down in florida and just certain guys just like you know and it's just um i don't know it's not right um at all but definitely our thoughts go out to all those people clearly with the impact of the virus and everything going on but just you know some of those people but specifically when we lose someone from the lpl family way before we should um we're thinking hey man 
and your family. So with that, Jeff, no easy way to move forward, but we will. I know Jared would want us to. So the last thing we're going to talk about is if President Trump were to win a re-election. Last week, we talked a lot about um, Joe Biden, if he, if he potentially wins. So, you know, what about this one? What happens if President Trump wins again for the economy stock market, Jeff? I'll chime in. I'll let you start. Yeah, I, I think I think you got to start with taxes. Uh, I mean, you, you see this chart, though, you know, stocks tend to do well when right. incumbents eventually win. So um, President Trump's got a big head start on this. Right. I, you know, we're up, I don't know, five, six percent since uh, since the third, which I guess starts the clock ticking on this metric. So if stocks keep going higher, that certainly uh, gives Trump a better chance. Uh, and uh, if we get a you know, really strong rebound in the economy from here, certainly that helps his chances as well. Uh, but I think taxes is really the biggest, uh, you know, dispersion, right? The, the divergence between the two paths of the two parties. And so we spent a good chunk of the weekly market commentary on that. Um, as we talked about in the Biden piece last week, uh, you're probably going to see the corporate tax rate go up from 21 to 28. Some people actually think it could even go higher than that, um, even though the Biden camp has said uh, 28. And then individual tax rates, uh, the estate tax, dividends, capital gains for higher income levels, those are all on the table, all likely to happen. Um, but Biden would need the Senate, in addition to the House, uh, to get all that done. And, and that's a coin flip. It looks like there was a little bit of a bump in polls. Um, you know, we recognize you get different messages from different polls, but there, there was a, maybe a little bit of a bump uh, from the Republican convention uh, in, in Senate prospects. And so maybe that's, it, you know, that was looking like it was going to go Democrat based on polling. Now it's looking like potentially a coin flip or maybe even a slight, uh, slightly higher probability that Republicans hold or we get 50-50. Um, so just keep that in mind. You need all three uh, to push those tax hikes through. And therefore, if we don't get all three, if Trump wins, uh, obviously that would uh, prevent a democratic sweep. You're not going to get those tax hikes. So that I think is, is where you have to start. Um, but certainly tensions with US and China could ratchet higher in, in the uh, event of a Trump victory. Those tariffs that we you know, suspect would come off under Biden would stay in place. And we may even see more tariffs. We know President Trump loves to use those. Uh, so that's something to watch. Certainly, there are more China hawks. It's on the Republican side, it seems, although there are plenty of uh, China hawks on both sides. That's become a bipartisan issue. Uh, and then lastly, I'll throw out infrastructure spending. Um, the, uh, and then, we, you know, if you want to go into some of the sectors, Ryan, we can. But infrastructure spending is more likely to happen uh, in a Democratic sweep scenario. But it's still possible in a second Trump term. Uh, you know, there's certainly some folks on the Republican side that don't like the spending. Uh, but after we get through the election, uh, it's possible with Republican leadership that we do get uh, some infrastructure spending as a, uh, uh, a bit of an economic stimulus. And frankly, we need it. Uh, right. So those would be some of the areas I would I would focus on, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, you know, in 2017, obviously, Republicans had both chambers of the House and obviously the presidency. And, you know, it was difficult to get the, um, 
the tax cuts through then. And they didn't. One of the big things President Trump ran on was indeed infrastructure. And they didn't get that done then either. So, you know, we're all we're all making our best guess as to what could happen. You know, if you get the Democratic sweep or you get the split Congress, regardless, if you do get the Democratic sweep, it might still be quite difficult to get through. because We've seen uh, some of those things before. But, Jeff, what do you think of move markets the next uh, four or five days here? Oh, the, the jobs report, uh, no doubt, is the is the big one this week, right? Uh, consensus is looking for about 1.4 million net new jobs on Friday, uh, and for the unemployment rate to drop from 10.2 to 9.8, so still obviously very high. But uh, if we can just, you know, keep adding a million jobs a month, um, we'll uh, we'll be back to something closer to normal uh, unemployment. Uh, early 2021. So that that's the big one, uh, no doubt. But we get the ISM uh, as well for uh, mm-hmm. August uh, tomorrow, and that'll be uh, certainly of interest. That's an earnings signal, uh, which makes it interesting to me because I follow earnings uh, very closely. But it's also f- beyond that forward-looking, right? Because it talks about uh, what manufacturers will spend, uh, not what they have spent. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, a million jobs here, a million jobs there. Similar to when you add a trillion dollars here, a trillion dollars there, you're talking about real money. I think a million jobs here, a million jobs there. We're we're talking about, um, you know, pretty good recovery, but we're aware we lost over 20 million jobs back in the spring. So still a long way to go on that uh, for the recovery. But Jeff, yeah, I think we need to end it today. Um, <laughs> if you watch this on YouTube, you see I've got like the wired um, headphones in. And I have wireless earbuds. Jeff, I think I discovered why I was having trouble. I believe they connected to my phone and I wanted to connect to my computer. So anyway, that was something Jeff and I were talking about before we started recording. But anyway, I hate when technology doesn't work, but I think I figured out why I couldn't get it to work. So next time, if you watch the YouTube video, hopefully I've got my brand new earbuds and wireless earbuds. And I am on uh, Yahoo Finance in like 15, 20 minutes. we got to end it right now and I got to go talk to those guys. So everybody, thank you so much for being here this week. Thanks, Jeff, as always, for the awesome commentary. Uh, please continue to uh, listen to us. We've had 250,000 downloads and listens. I know we're, I don't know, we're like at 97 or 98 positive Apple, or not, I shouldn't say positive, but most of them are positive. 97 or 98 Apple uh, reviews on iTunes. Please feel free and, uh, you know, if you like us, you know, please, you know, like hit the like button on Facebook and continue to give us positive, positive reviews. And maybe you can be lucky number 100 of the uh, reviews um, on iTunes. Uh, if you, if you jump in and do that sometime this evening on Monday night, hopefully most people listen to this or throughout this week. So everybody, thanks again. Uh, we'll be back. You know what? I don't know if we're going to do one next week or not. Jeff and I have to decide because we do have a holiday, but nonetheless, we're not going anywhere. We'll be back soon enough. Thanks everybody. And we'll uh, see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its complete
completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Updale Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor, that is not an LPL affiliate. Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.